So I had this really cool video to show you about uh, the evangelism linebacker, okay? And I promise I will show this video someday. The evangelism linebacker is awesome. It's this video about this guy who goes around and he knocks people down who are afraid to share their faith. And he tackles people who don't want to share their faith. And he convinces them through tackling them that they should share their faith. I don't know how it works, but I know if this large individual came at me and was ready to attack me and, and tackle me, I'd be sharing my faith in a hurry. Um, so uh, I had this video about the evangelism linebacker, and, and it's quite funny and quite humorous. We'll, again, we'll watch it some other time. But I want to talk about the difference between evangelism and outreach. Evangelism and outreach. Sometimes we get them confused. Sometimes we think they're the same things. Sometimes we think, well, evangelism is outreach, or outreach is evangelism. Isn't it all the same thing? It's not. I want to read a passage of scripture. I hadn't planned on this. This came to me about four minutes ago. And it's from Matthew chapter 24. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And then he goes on to talk about the goats and how the goats didn't do those things and how they are banished from the kingdom. The important thing there is that that's, that's the vision that the elders of the first Christian church have for outreach for our church. That, that's where it comes from. We've been talking about our vision statement Uh, This past four weeks or so, we talked about, in week number one, we talked about um, following in faith and how that we are a movement that is committed to believing in God the Father, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit and following their leadership in our lives. A couple weeks ago, we talked about reflecting God's glory and how as Christians, we are to shine the light of Jesus everywhere we go. Last week, we talked about loving God's family and how we are a family. And that is what we're really striving to be is a family of believers, people who truly love one another like family. And we forgive one another, we share with one another, we encourage one another, we strengthen one another. All these things, we love one another like family. And I pray that if you're new around here, if you've been coming for a few weeks, if you've been coming for a few months, that you really do feel like this is your family. I pray that this is becoming your family because we want you to be part of our family. And I gave the invitation last week that if if you're a believer in Jesus and you've been baptized and you want to join our family, we, we really do want you to join our family. There's all kinds of great things that, that come with being a member of a family, and, and, and really we want you to be, to be part of our family. This week we are a movement committed. We are a movement committed to influencing the communities in which we live by changing walls, breaking, changing lives, breaking down walls, and meeting their needs. Not changing walls. Although that could be a part of outreach. I suppose if there's a lot of graffiti on a wall, we could change the wall and make it look nice. But no, changing lives, breaking down walls, and meeting their needs. And that's what we're going to talk about today is influencing our communities. Next week, we're going to talk about Mother's Day. We're going to have a special Mother's Day sermon and some gifts for all the moms and 
in, in attendance next week, so invite your mom. If she doesn't come, invite her to come along next week, and we'll give you a nice little gift, and we'll do that next week. Following week, we're going to finish this sermon series on capturing the vision as we talk about finishing well. So for today, though, we want to talk about being this movement that is committed to influencing our communities. And the, the, I read that one passage from Matthew, but I really want to read this one from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's Jesus talking to his disciples. It's the last thing he says to his disciples before he's taken up into heaven. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's awesome because the word witnesses, the Greek word for witnesses, is the same word from which we get our word martyr. It's martun, and, and we get the word martyr. And you think about what a martyr is. A martyr is somebody who is willing to die for their faith, someone who is willing to die for the things that they believe in. That's what Jesus calls us to be, people who are his witnesses, people who will not only just testify by our words as to what we have seen, as to what has happened in our lives, but people who will die, willing to die, and who will live it out every day, who will live, we will live our lives for Jesus Christ. And part of that is reaching out. And we're going to talk about this, uh, how we do this, but one of the things I want to talk about is circles. And Jesus gives three circles as far as where his witnesses are going to go and what they're going to do. The first circle is Jerusalem. That's where the disciples were. After Jesus had, uh, had resurrected from the dead, the disciples were in Jerusalem, and that's where they were going to start. They were going to start by being uh, his witnesses there in Jerusalem. He was, they were going to tell everybody about the risen Christ. And then as they gradually moved out of Jerusalem into a bigger circle, Judea and Samaria, the entire nation of Israel, they were going to go out and they were going to tell people all about Jesus as they made their way back to Galilee. And eventually they were going to go the biggest circle to the ends of the earth. And when you think about it, that's kind of where the gospel has gone. It's gone everywhere, from underground churches in China, to the cathedrals of Europe, to uh, house churches and compounds that meet like in places like Haiti, to big mega church buildings and not so mega church buildings here in the United States. The gospel's gone to the ends of the earth. But it's got to be more than just something that we talk about. It's got to be more than something that we just say. It's got to be something that we do. Being a Christian has got to be more, being a witness to Jesus Christ has got to be more than just telling somebody, it's doing something about it. And that's what we really want to commit ourselves to being, is this movement that is committed to influencing our communities. I'll talk about influencing in just a second, but first I want to bring three guys up here who are going to talk a little bit about how we are currently doing this some things that we've done, some things that we're going to do. And I want them to come up here and kind of share with you a little bit. I'm going to grab a microphone. Maybe not. I'm going to grab Amanda's microphone. And I'm going to hand this off to David Herbert, who's going to start. And he's going to tell you a little bit about the youth and how the youth are influencing the community. Thanks, David. If you don't know, my name is David Herbert. I'm the youth minister here. And one of the things that the youth have been doing is... We, we change things up in our, in our youth group, and we, each, each month we do different things each week. And one of the things that we do is we do community service on the third Sunday of the month. Now, the reason we do that is not so, you know, we get pats on the back, not so, you know, we, we don't do it for our own benefit. We do it because we're following God. 
You know, one of the things you say at the very, very beginning of every service, love God, love others, and spread the gospel. And that's how we've, we've taken our youth group, is we've, everything we do is between those three things, love God, love others, and spread the gospel. And doing community service, for us, that's loving others. We've done anywhere from going to other people's houses and raking their leaves. We've done, um, we've done a few other things where we actually, one of the things we did was we collected, we collected canned food, and we brought it to the, to the Griffith Emergency Fund. And we collected probably, collected a lot of food. These kids did a great job of collecting food, going to their neighbors, collecting food. And one, one thing we did from that is we actually helped them sort all the food for their Thanksgiving dinners. They, Griffith Emergency Fund, they, they find people that are less, for, less fortunate, and they go and take Thanksgiving dinners to them. And what we did is, as a group, we went over to the Griffith Emergency Fund and we, we helped sort all the different foods. All the different food that came in, um, it just comes in in paper bags. People just bring it and say, here you go. And we actually took all that food, we sorted everything out, and we put together boxes to send home to families for Thanksgiving dinners. Um, that was one of the things we've, we've done. You know, and every time we talk to the youth, every time we do a community outreach project, we let them know that it's, it's not to get people to come to our church. That's not what outreach is. Outreach is about going out into the community, going out into the world, and spreading God's love through our services and through our actions. Thank you. Next one I want to bring up is Victor Garcia, and Victor works for the Marsha Dimes, and Victor's going to talk a little bit about the community outreach project that happened last week and how People from our church uh, did a great thing in serving our community uh, through the March of Dimes. Thanks, Victor. Hello. I think most of you guys know me. I've been a member of this church since, uh, I want to say, about sixth grade. I'm also the division director for the March of Dimes uh, here in northwest Indiana. A couple weeks back, you guys saw my mom, Letty, and Shauna Lucia. They were out back uh, collecting donations for our March for Babies event. Um, so I wanted to say thank you. This church, in a matter of 20 minutes, raised nearly $300, and that's an amazing feat. That's fantastic. But those of you who were here uh, last week probably saw a big empty space in this general area right here, okay? I'm going to ask any of the youth or the youth sponsors who helped out at March for Babies last week to stand up, please. Give a round of applause, please. I think we're missing a few people. Um, our March for Babies event is our largest um, awareness and fundraising event for the March of Dimes. Uh, the March of Dimes mission is to ensure every baby is born healthy. Uh, we do this by preventing birth defects, premature birth, and infant mortality. So the way this impacts us here in our community is by supporting this event, we're able to support our advocacy programs, our educational programs, and our research programs. So if you've had a child in the last five years or so, or a grandchild, you've benefited from the March of Dimes by knowing to put your baby to sleep on their back to avoid sudden infant death syndrome. If you've had a baby or a grandchild in the last 10 years, you've benefited by the March of Dimes uh, because you got proper prenatal care with uh, prenatal vitamins, specifically folic acid, which is a B vitamin, and reduces birth defects by 33%. 
If, unfortunately, you've had a child in a neonatal intensive care unit, you've benefited from the March of Dimes. That's a concept that was created by the March of Dimes, and most children who are in the NICU also receive surfactant therapy. If you want to know how surfactant therapy impacts someone here, just go ask Sandy Martinez, and you can ask her exactly how surfactant therapy has impacted her life. It's with the support of the youth, the support of the congregation, that the March of Dimes can continue to focus on our mission of making sure every baby's born healthy. I was so excited, I had a handful of people come up to me and ask, who were those kids helping out with the food? And I said, well, that was my youth group. And I was so excited about it. They did such a great job. I got to give Greg Rothschild up in the back there uh, some props. It was raining crazy last Sunday. And Greg was running back and forth from one gym to the kitchen, bringing hot dogs back and forth and a poncho. And he had to have been soaked. Um, but it was very exciting to have that opportunity to share with a number of people that it was my church, the youth group of my church at Griffith First Christian that was supporting this event and having an impact in our community. Uh, but I also want to say thank you to the elders for uh, allowing them to be a part of that, uh, for allowing Shauna and my mom to do some fundraising. Um, and again, thank you to the congregation for supporting the event as well. Thank you. last guy I'm going to bring up here is Tony Martinez. He's one of our elders, and he's got some exciting things that he wants to tell you about that we are not only doing now, but that we are going to be doing as well. So here's Tony. Thank you, Sean. Uh, for those who do not know me, my name is Tony Martinez. My wife Sandy and I had uh, recently taken over the responsibility of uh, Deacons of Outreach. And um, our vision, as Sean had mentioned, um, comes from the, the church vision statement. We are a movement committed to influencing the communities in which uh, we live by changing lives, breaking down walls, and meeting uh, people at their needs. Um, to expand on that, my vision of outreach is we don't have to talk about Jesus Christ. We don't have to talk about Griffith First Christian Church. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, and we will display his love to everyone we meet. And if we, we're given the opportunity, uh, opportunity to explain uh, the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that's icing on the cake. If we're given the opportunity to talk about our family here at uh, Griffith First Christian Church, icing on the cake. But there are a lot of people out there that are, they shy away from Jesus, and we want to be able to meet them subtly by showing them the love of Jesus Christ. Outreach is, we're just starting off. We're brand new. We, we, we don't even have a committee fully set. We need your help. There is a, a volunteer list out, out on the, the table out there to uh, sign up for outreach. So if you can, and you're willing to be a part of the committee, sign up for, to be part of the committee. If you want to be just a member, uh, willing to work when needed, uh, there's a, a, a spot to sign up for that. Outreach also branches out into another division. We also have what we call the emergency response team. It's to, uh, if there's a tornado or a flood in your area, it does not have to be Griffith. It could be Crown Point. It could be Hammond. Uh, we have uh, certain people that signed up already that signed up for sector leaders. Sector leaders will be responsible for going out in their community if, an if a situation happens like a tornado. Scout out their area. If there is something wrong, something that needs to be addressed, then they start uh, the emergency response team phone tree. And then they start, everybody that signed up for helping hand will go respond to that. Um, another part of that emergency response team is we're going to have um, 
what I call the, the church managers. Church managers will just stay back here. Because if there's an emergency large enough in which people are displaced, we're going to send them to the church to sleep, to pray, just a, a place for comfort. You know, um, we, we need helping hands for that too. We need people to uh, comfort them, people to play with their children while they're, they're making phone calls, trying to find out uh, if there's anything they can do. We just want to help out the community in any way we can. And uh, the emergency response team, as uh, you guys recall from last year, uh, could have been used a couple times had we had established one. Uh, but we're starting one right now, and um, we're not going to let this a situation go by in the future without having help from First Christian Church. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh. Well, one last thing. Um, I know there are some artistic people in this church, and we're going to have a contest, a church a t-shirt design contest uh, for First Christian Church t-shirt. So if you have that ability to draw, to sketch, sketch out a design for a church t-shirt, and the winner will receive $100. Thank you. So, I want to thank those three guys for coming up and talking about that, the, the ways that we are working, the ways that we are moving, the things that we want to do. And to, to close out the sermon, I just want to talk about three things. Three, I want to answer three questions. First, what are we going to do? We are going to impact, or we're going to influence our community. Now, I, I, I mentioned the word impact, and that's not the word we're using. We're using the word influence. To influence someone is to move them to action. To impact means, uh, when I hear the word impact, I think of a, like a punch. You know, like a, we're going to go out there and we're just going to, oh, we're going to impact you. It's the, the, the evangelism linebacker. We're going to tackle you for Jesus. and We're going to influence people. We want to move them to some kind of action. We want to subtly, as Tony put it, we want to subtly influence people. If, if we, at, an, at some kind of outreach event, if we never talk about Jesus Christ, if we never talk about Griffith First Christian Church, that's okay. Because what we are about doing, as far as outreach is concerned, what we are going to do is we are going to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ. We may never get a chance to talk about it, but we are going to show it. One of the things I've often heard is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care about the Griffith First Christian Church if the Griffith First Christian Church doesn't care about them. People don't care about Jesus until they know that Jesus loves them. One of the things that Jesus did when he would go into a town is he would meet needs before he would preach the good news. He would meet needs. Think about the feeding of the 5,000. People were hungry. They were hungry. What did he do? Five loaves, two fish, that's enough. And he fed the community. He fed the people who needed the help. So what are we going to do? We're going to influence the community. We're going to move people to action. We're going to move them closer to a relationship with Jesus by demonstrating his love. Second question I want to answer is... What, uh, where are we going to do this? We're going to do it in our communities. If you live in, we, I know people, we got people who live in Black Oak. If you live in Hammond, if you live in Highland, you live in Griffith, you live in Cherville, you live in Crown Point. We got people living in all these different places and, and others. That is your sphere of influence. That is where you live. That is your community. We want to be an influence there. We want to influence people for Jesus Christ in our communities. We are a part of these communities. We are going to show God's love. We are going to demonstrate Jesus' love in these communities. Um, how are we going to do this? Well, there's three things that we talked about. Uh, the first is we're going to change lives. 
One of the purposes of being a Christian is to change lives for God's glory. And we change lives by demonstrating uh, Jesus' love. Because when you demonstrate Jesus' love, it makes people stand up and take notice that there is something different about that lady. There is something different about that guy. There is something different about that teenager. There is something different about those people. And i got to know what it is. And it creates an audience. If you will truly love people compassionately, if you will truly love people unconditionally, like Jesus loves us, if we will love people... They will want to know, why? Why do you love me? Why do you care for me? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about this God who loves you so much that he would put a balloon in the highway. That This God who loves you so much that he would send his only son to die on the cross for your sins. All that guilt, all that shame that you feel, everything that separates you from God, everything that makes you feel distant from God, he wants to take that all away. He wants to free you from the burdens of sin. He wants to free you from the burdens of guilt. He wants to change your life. And change your eternal destination. This is the God who loves you. And when you go out and you uh, seek to do that, when you go out and, and demonstrate God's love and demonstrate Jesus' love, people want to know why. What is this love and how can I get some? How can I get some of this love in my life? And so, in order to do that, in order to gain this audience with people, we're going to do two things. We're going to break down walls, we're going to meet needs. Now, what does that mean, break down walls? What are you talking about when you say break down walls? I'm talking about like philosophical walls. For example, eth- ethnic walls. All right, we are a multicultural church, barely. But we're still a multicultural church. We got people from different ethnic backgrounds, and it's awesome. That's the way it should be because we live in a multicultural area. We live in a multicultural community. We sing the song as little kids, right? Jesus loves the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, brown ones too. Jesus loves them all. And as the, as the first Christian church, we're going to love them all too. We're going to love everybody. We're going to love everyone. And it doesn't matter what ethnicity you come from. We will celebrate that with you. We will celebrate your ethnicity, whether you're Irish or Hispanic or whatever the uh, politically correct term is now. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, whether you're German, uh, whether you are African American, whether you are, uh, I don't know, gotten Vulcan for crying out loud. It doesn't really matter. We are going to we are going to break down walls of ethnic barriers and we are going to love everybody equally. We are going to love everyone equally. We're going to break down walls of, of equality where there are uh, glass ceilings and things like that, where there are gender walls. We're going to break those down because you know what? Everyone is equal at the foot of the cross. Men and women, young, not so young, uh, everybody is equal at the foot of the cross. We are all equal in God's sight. God loves everyone equally. God does not play favorites. Jesus said that in the, in the Sermon on the Mount when he said that, that God causes the sun to shine on the good and bad alike, and he causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Sean's paraphrase. But when he said that, he is basically saying that God doesn't play favorites. He loves everyone equally. He loves you as much as he loves me. He loves me as much as he loves you. He loves everyone equally, which is awesome because he loves us to the max. So we're going to break down walls of eth- uh, ethnic walls. We're going to break down equality walls. We're going to break down walls of status. You know, the, the early church had a problem where they were, uh, in the book of James, he talks about how people were coming and they were, they were giving the, the nicest seats to the richest people. And they were looking up with those with wealth and status. They were looking up to them and they were playing favorites for, for those who had wealth and status. You know what? We're not going to do that. If you come in shorts and a t-shirt... You are as welcome and loved and valued and accepted as the guy who comes in a three-piece suit every Sunday. 
I don't care if you drive a Yugo from 1984 with a coat hanger holding the muffler up, or if you drive in, if you get dropped off in a white stretch limousine, everyone's equal here. Everyone's equal. Whether you make six figures, whether you make four figures, it don't matter. Everyone's equal here. If you are a family of five, if you are a single mom, you are equal here. Everyone is equal. Everyone is valued. Everyone is loved. Everyone is accepted. If you've been coming to this church for 70 years, if you have been coming to this church for an hour and a half, you are welcome here. You are loved. You are accepted. We're going to break down those walls. Everybody is welcome here. We're going to break down those walls. Everyone is going to experience the love of Jesus from the First Christian Church. The last thing we're going to do is we're going to meet needs. And that's what Tony was talking about with the ERT, the emergency response team. I can't, can't tell you how many times I've heard about how awesome Reed's Temple is, okay? Brother David Reed and I uh, know each other. We're, we're buddies. Uh, we go to the Griffith Clergy Association meetings together. He's an awesome guy. His church, when the tornado struck Griffith a couple years ago, his church was out there. They were the first ones out there handing out hot dogs and bottled water. They they impacted, they influenced our community. They demonstrated God's love. They demonstrated Jesus' love. That's what we want to do. Not to be like them, but to be like Christ, because that's what Jesus does. Jesus meets needs. We're going to meet needs in times of emergency. We're going to meet needs. We're going to meet financial needs. We have a benevolence fund when people need serious, dire help. You know, Nipsco's going to shut off my bill unless I give them 100 bucks. Well, we're going to try and find a way to get you that 100 bucks. Uh, we're not a bank. We don't have, we're not rolling in dough, but I tell you what, if it's a serious dire need, we want to help people as, as much as God allows, as much as God provides. We can meet emotional needs, people who are really struggling and they need love and they need acceptance. They need encouragement. They need a hug. We can do that. We can meet those emotional needs. And the most important need I believe that we can meet is a spiritual need. People who don't know Jesus Christ, who need to know Jesus, who need to have purpose in their life and meaning, people who need Jesus, we can meet that need. We can meet that need each and every week when we gather together for worship, when you hear a sermon, when you hear a community meditation, when you sing a song, all about Jesus' love, because that's what it's all about. So we can meet needs in times of emergency, we can meet financial needs, we can meet uh, emotional needs, we can meet spiritual needs. That's what we're going to do, is we're going to demonstrate Jesus' love by meeting needs. There's a guy in Wyzetta, Minnesota. Wyzetta, Minnesota is a very affluent community uh, in the Twin Cities, and this guy is named, uh, he's named Shoe Bob, okay? And Shoe Bob owns a shoe repair place in a strip mall there in Wyzetta, and he lives uh, in Wyzetta, and he hates the cold, okay? He picked, I don't know how he ended up in Minnesota, but he is in the wrong place to hate the cold because honestly, folks, it is cold nine months out of the year there. Been there, done that, five years, got the t-shirt. Yeah, you betcha, okay? It is the wrong place to be if you hate the cold, so he had a, the reason he hates the cold is he, has, he had a childhood fear of freezing to death. And he was invited by some friends to go winter camping. Now, people in Minnesota embrace the cold in a way that we don't in Chicagoland, okay? We can't wait for winter to be over. They can't wait for winter to get there. It's just, you know, they, they do the snowmobile thing. They do the, the winter fishing, the ice fishing, been ice fishing, lots of fun. Uh, yeah, um, they go winter camping. They, they, they bundle up in a 40 below you know, proof 
sleeping bag, and they go winter camping. And so Shoe Bob was invited to go winter camping, and, and he started to prepare himself. He bought himself a pup tent. He bought himself a really uh, super-duper sleeping bag, and he put it out in his backyard, and he said, I'm going to get over this childhood fear of freezing. I am going to go out there, and I am going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conquer this thing. And sure enough, he went out there in the middle of winter, sleeping in his backyard, freezing. Every breath he takes, just terrifying, because it's you know, this cold polar air. I mean, it gets cold up there, my friends. It gets cold up there. And so he's out there sleeping, trying to sleep, and God talks to him. And God said, I want you to do this, to raise money as a way of raising money for the poor and the homeless here in YZ. And he thought, wait a minute, I, this is one of the richest suburbs of the Twin Cities. There are, there are no poor and homeless. And sure enough, he did some research and he found out that yes, there were. There were poor and homeless people living in YZ. So he decided, he felt God calling him to raise money to buy people Thanksgiving dinners. And he vowed that he would sleep out in his yard in the middle of winter. And this is like 15, 16 years ago. He would sleep in his yard in the middle of winter until he raised enough money to buy 100 people a Thanksgiving dinner, $7,000. 14 days later, he slept in his own bed having raised $10,000. That's awesome, right? That's a great way of showing God's love. Here's the thing. Since 1996, he does this every year. Since 1996, he has raised $5.5 million for a group called the Interfaith Outreach Ministry. That is demonstrating God's love in a very tangible, real way. That is demonstrating the love that sent Jesus to the cross in a very powerful way. That's what we want to do. Now, I'm not asking any of you to sleep outside in the middle of winter. I know some of you are just praising the Lord right now. But what I'm asking you to do, my challenge for you today, my challenge for you today is start thinking. Look around you. What needs are not being met in our communities? What ways can we, as a church family, demonstrate God's love to people who need it so desperately? How can we really tangibly demonstrate God's love? And I want you to talk to one of the elders. Elders, stand up. Bob, Tony, Mike, David Herbert, youth minister. The five of us, okay, talk to us. You got an idea for some kind of outreach project? You got an idea for some way that we can demonstrate God's love in a tangible way? I'm not saying we're going to do it, but... I'm saying that we'll, we'll talk about it because this is what we want to do. Go ahead and have a seat, guys. Thanks. Um, we really do want to demonstrate and, and show Jesus' love in a very powerful way, in a very tangible way. So I want you to be thinking about, okay, in my community, we're not meeting this need. How can my church help out? In this community, we're not doing this. No one is addressing this need. How can we help out? How can we show Jesus' love? Because that's what outreach is really all about. And that is how you influence communities. And that is the vision that we want to capture. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for just the, the challenge to get out there and share our faith. But not just tell people about Jesus, but to show people Jesus. To demonstrate his love for people who so desperately need it. That we can show them that you care for them and that you died for them. That Jesus died for their sins. And that we will love them no matter what, unconditionally, every day, every day, every day. Help us to capture that vision, God, the vision that you have for us to, to get out there and to really do outreach, to reach out to our communities and demonstrate the love of Christ. I pray that you bring ideas to mind, that you would help us to think of things that maybe 
haven't been thought of yet, to meet needs that haven't been met yet, that in Jesus' name we will meet the needs of our communities and we will gain an audience with people who need to hear about Jesus' love. Thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you for what's going to happen now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.